Hello and welcome to episode 115 of the Nerd Culture Podcast. My name is David, and with me is the lovely Crystal. Yay, I don't have to work today. The bacon's been brought home. <laughs> That's exactly right. Gambling debts have been paid. Everything's been paid. As you can tell, it's just it's the lovely Crystal and myself for this episode. Uh, we had uh, some other guests planned, but unfortunately they were unable to make it, so... That's right. We saved the best. The two best ones. The best for last. <laughs> Is this the last episode? I hope not. <laughs> you never know what might happen. Don't say that. That's it. That's Bruce, horrible. Bruce Willis mightn't be able to save us in the last minute. <laughs> what? <laughs> Random stuff. Uh, so for this episode, we have news, reviews, our top five favorite fictional places that we would like to live in or visit. Um, and we have some interviews uh, by the lovely Silhouette. At, from the recent Armageddon Expo Melbourne. Yay! Yay! So it's, uh, it's a big show, so well, let's get it on. What? <laughs> <laughs> We're married, so it's okay. Family-friendly podcast. It's family-friendly. I'm sorry, no, moving on. Let's start with some news. We do have some, some big news announcements. We did mention a couple of episodes back with the DC movie announcements. Uh, there's uh, quite a few superhero films coming out from DC, from Warner Brothers uh, in the next couple of years. Uh, and then um, Marvel has come out swinging with their list of movies for uh, the next couple of years. And Marvel like, Smash! <laughs> indeed. <laughs> and uh, it's just, just a huge amount of comic-based movies coming out and... Uh, I do, I do like, I do like the juxtaposition between the two companies. Like Warner Brothers releases their list of movies at a stockholders meeting, and Marvel announces it at a special event, you know, where the fans are at. So read into that what you will, but uh, I find that kind of interesting. It's like so, the difference between PC and Mac. Yeah, I guess so. Who, who's PC and who's Mac? Warner Brothers is PC. Warner Brothers is PC. That's a terrible thing to say. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, I found a compilation of all the uh, superhero films that are coming out uh, in the next coming years. So prepare yourself. This is a big list. I have the actual full list on the website, but uh, we're going to be very busy little podcasters. I know this is uh, it's a huge slate, and I don't know if my wallet can take it. <laughs> but we'll see how we go. So we've got uh, at the end of uh, this year, we've got Big Hero Six coming from Disney, and then in 2015 February we got uh, The Kinsman, The Secret Service. May, Avengers Age of Ultron, which is pretty cool. Uh, July, we've got Ant-Man. August, The Fantastic Four, which, who cares, let's be honest. And then 2016, we've got Feb, Deadpool. Uh, March, we've got Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. Uh, May, we've got both Captain America's Civil War. Oh, right, we'll talk about that. We talked about that in the, the last episode with... Um, with Bo, at with, length. With Bo. Yes, at length, so we won't, <laughs> won't talk about it anymore, but uh, pretty exciting. Uh, and uh, also in May, we've got X-Men Apocalypse coming out, which is pretty cool. Uh, one of my favourite X-Men villains. Uh, June, we've got uh, the sequel to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Who cares? Uh, in August, we've got The Suicide Squad, which is... Uh, Pretty, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm not, not a huge Suicide, Suicide Squad fan, uh, but I do like the concept, and if they can pull it off in a film, I think that would be pretty interesting. Um, bit of a dirty dozen sort of deal. Uh, in no- and then in November, you got three. Doctor Strange, which may or may not have Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, the Peanuts movie, for you Peanuts fans out there. <laughs> and Sinister Six, so the villains, a Spider-Man's a collection of Spider-Man villains. If they can pull that off as a film, as a bunch of villains... 
don't know. I, I hope it's got the tone of the Superior Foes of Spider-Man comic, because that comic's awesome. Then in 2017, it just uh, it keeps on coming. March, uh, we've got a Wolverine, a currently untitled Wolverine sequel. May, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. June, Wonder Woman. Finally, we get a, a big screen female lead. Pretty excited. Uh, July, we've got both Fantasy Four 2, which is pretty ballsy when you think about it. But there's, they've announced a sequel to a film that's got nothing but ire in the entire internet before the film even comes out. So if it's a massive bomb, you can expect that sequel not to happen. Uh, and also in July, you've got Thor Ragnarok, which, as the title suggests, means things are going to come to a head in uh, Asgard. Isn't that the end of the world? Yeah, it's the end of, it's the, end of the world in Norse mythology. So uh, I'm, I'm guessing, this is a massive guess here, that Thor dies protecting Asgard. And then we get the Thor princess? And you, Yeah, then we get yeah female, female Thor, I think. That, 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 that would be my guess, to sort of try and keep it in line with the comics. But, you know, could be wrong. Then in November, we've got Black Panther. All right. One of my favourite Marvel characters. I'd rather Pink Panther. I'd rather Black Panther. Pink. No. <laughs> and also, no, in also November, we get uh, Justice League Part 1. It's the uh, first half of the Justice League film, which will be a pretty major undertaking. If, uh, if they can pull it off, it'll be awesome. And... Let's see if it rivals uh, the Avengers for coolness. And then sometime in 2017, we also get uh, the Lego Batman movie, which, uh, you know, Batman was cool with the Lego movie. I won't deny it. You know, first try. But a whole film based on him, I don't know if I could if I could stand that. 2018, we get March, The Flash, in a, in a, a standalone film. Uh, May, Avengers Infinity War Part 1. So the next Avengers film... So it's interesting that part one is in 2018, but part two doesn't come until 2019. So that's pretty cool. It's like when Back to the Future sequels came out. That was pretty good. Um, you can assume they'll be filmed simultaneously. July, we get both Captain Marvel. So Marvel's a uh, all-female starring role. And uh, that's cool because I'm a Captain Marvel fan. That's pretty awesome. Um, hopefully they base it on the, the, the stellar writing from uh, the current Mar- Miss Captain Marvel run. Great stuff. Uh, and also in July we get Aquaman. So uh, Jason Momoa signed on to play Aquaman. I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, Aquaman cops a lot of flack, and sometimes justifiably so. But uh, he's why does he poop? <laughs> why does he poop? <laughs> Superheroes don't poop, though. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I'm a, Mo- I'm a Momoa fan, so uh, I'm hoping that it works. And uh, November we get Inhumans. So as the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Marvel slash Disney. Uh, there are no mutants because they belong to Fox, so uh, they're basically really pushing the, this sort of inhuman aspect. And I, I'm I'm willing to bet money right now that Wanda and Pietro uh, are referred to as inhumans at some point. So the Cape movies don't seem to be slowing down at all. No. This, this is what you've done, fans of comic books and your disposable income. You've... <laughs> It's your fault. <laughs> there's more to come. There's, there's, there's still a couple, wait, couple of years. There's more. But wait, there's more. 2019, we get the Shazam film uh, from Warner Brothers, uh, starring uh, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and uh, May, we get Avengers Infinity War Part 2. So, and we also get, in June, Justice League Part 2. So that's going to be a massive fight. It's going to be pretty cool. And then, uh, last but not least, in 20, 2020... We get Cyborg and uh, supposedly another Green Lantern film, which 
you know is not going to have any of the people from the first two Green Lantern film in there because it was a massive bomb, which is a shame. But what can you do? And there's a whole bunch of other sort of films that haven't been given actual release dates yet or been confirmed as actually in the making, but there's stuff that's been talked about for a while. You've got Venom and Carnage, um, Amazing Spider-Man 4. Fox also announced a Spidey spin-off starring an unspecified female lead, so it may or may not be Silk, or maybe even... The current Gwen Stacy Spider-Man that's running around in the Spider-Verse stories. That'd be cool, because she's awesome. Uh, you got X-Force movies, Gamb- uh, Gambit movie, uh, with Channing Tatum expressing uh, a desire to be in. Superman and Batman films, standalone ones. Uh, Justice League Dark from Guillermo del Toro. That'd be pretty sweet. Uh, the Sandman movie is still coming. A more faithful adaptation of uh, James O'Barr's The Crow uh, is supposedly coming along with Luke Evans in the lead. Um, you got a whole bunch of Mark Miller stuff. Uh, we mentioned the Mark Miller uh, Kinsman title right at the start there, but he's got some more stuff coming out. Superior, Starlight, Nemesis, MPH, that sort of stuff. And uh, last but not least, um, Witches from Scott Snyder. So um, there's, I mean, there's heaps, heaps of superhero stuff coming out. So if uh, you're not a fan of superheroes, probably want to avoid the movies for a while. It's kind of weird. Correct me if I'm wrong. But the vast majority of all those films are all based on classic characters. There doesn't seem to be any... No one's brave enough to do a superhero film about a brand new superhero or character. Uh, well, the Mark Miller stuff is all brand new brand new characters. Yeah, and Big Hero 6, which is a Disney's one, is that they are established characters in the Marvel Universe, but not very well known. So that's a... I guess there's there's that, but... It's pretty hard. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It just no. that's I find that curious. Well, it's, it's, it's good to you say that because there's a film coming out from uh, with Michael Keaton called Birdman, uh, which I'm really looking forward to. Which is uh, about a a guy who played a superhero on TV and you know basically what becomes of his life afterwards, which is which is getting rave rave like, reviews like from the Birdman film. No, it's unrelated. Completely different. Yeah, not, unrelated. And anyway. No, no rallies Birdman. involved in any way. No, <laughs> not, not related. But but uh, that's that's really really cool. So that's a, an original original character. But I do I do see what you say. I mean, I'm not, you're not wrong. But that's good business sense. Yeah, that's what the people want. That's what the people want. What the people are going to pay their disposable income on. So yeah, so uh, big big news. Lots coming out. And uh, if as long as uh, Crystal's prediction that this is not the final episode <laughs> doesn't come true, we'll be we'll be be sure we'll be covering most of those. Yeah, sticking with Marvel, we've also got uh, some Marvel news now. They've been we've talked about it in the in the last couple of episodes, but they've been releasing some teaser posters. Uh, they started off at uh, New York uh, where they released Secret War, which is uh, supposedly the, the storyline that um, Hickman's moving on to after time runs out. Uh, but they've also been releasing a whole bunch of other sort of teasers, and we talked talked about uh, the Civil War one in the in the last episode. But they've also got. Um, Age of Ultron versus Marvel Zombies, Years of Future Past, which is uh, obviously a tie into um, Days of Future Past, a, a very different looking Planet Hulk, uh, Armor Wars, House of M, Infinity Gauntlet, uh, which looks like it involves the Nova Corps in a way, uh, Old Man Logan, Inhumans, Ultimate Universe The End, which is rumoured to be the actual end to the Ultimate Universe, because by, let's face it, they've only got one title left, which is Miles, which is currently crossing over with uh, the X-Men. So um, the end of the Ultimate Universe is not that big a stretch. They've said it before during Cataclysm, but it looks like it might actually be happening this time. Uh, and then uh, just recently we've got Age of Apocalypse, uh, Future Imperfect, 
which is the Hulk storyline. Um, the one that means the most to me, which is Renew Your Vows, which is the Amazing Spider-Man, which shows a pre-brand new day, Peter, Mary Jane, and uh, their daughter, May. So that's pretty cool. And just uh, a couple of days ago, we got uh, Avengers versus X-Men with a, a very cool Scotty Young drawing. So it's we've speculated quite a bit uh, on these, and uh, I'm now I'm actually now convinced that they all spin out of Secret Wars and all involve alternate universes. So they're all going to be basically it's basically going to be a trip through the Marvel events of all these, and uh, is going to involve sort of sort of the possibility of slightly different outcomes for these events. Um, it's, I, they're not going to retcon. As some people have said they're not going to retcon one more day. It's just not going to happen. But we will see, you know, what could have been and uh, for all of these. So that's my guess. That, 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 that's my prediction. Um, and Crystal does again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's pretty, it's pretty exciting. And Marvel, they know how to do their teasers, man. They know what they're doing. It's, uh, they've had uh, the internet on bated breath waiting to see how it all goes. And uh, the Amazing Spider-Man one is the one that I'm most, most excited about. It'll be cool, cool stuff. Moving on. Okay, just uh, one final piece of uh, news. Um, Anita Sarkeesian, uh, who uh, has been one of the major targets of the Gamergate, you know, whatever you want to call it. I, I, I prefer to call it a bunch of, a gang, because let's face it, that's what the sort of attitudes they have. But the movement, or whatever you want to call it, I don't know, whatever. But uh, Anita Sarkeesian, who's, uh, who does the tropes in video games series on YouTube, and um, has just been attacked viciously ever since uh, appeared on the Colbert Report, which uh, is pretty amazing. And uh, it was a cool little bit. Um, we've both watched it, so it's it's it. Uh, it didn't go for very long, but it's it's classic Colbert. It made its point. It made its point, you know. And uh, I think she handled herself very well. I mean, and I mean, I've I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I don't agree with everything that she says. And she has um, the right to say it without being. Viciously attacked. Exactly right. Whether you agree or disagree, uh, the the reaction is just beyond the pale. It's just unnecessary. I mean, I mean, Zoe Quinn as well, and there's and there's a couple of others. It's just it's just not necessary. You but, can argue ethics in journalism all you want. It does not justify the attacks and yeah. threats that people have received. Exactly right. Um, so yeah, so it's a cool little bit. It's you know Colbert being Colbert. So uh, if you're a fan, you know check it out. Um, I do. I did really like the bit where he tried to bait her by saying, "Name three games um, that uh, you know basically are a problem," and she refused to do so. And some people, and some gamer gators have sort of jumped on that as saying, "Oh, you know, she couldn't even say three games or something." It's, it's it wasn't that at all. Come on, anybody seeing that could see that that's definitely not what it was. She's not saying that games in themselves are bad. She's not saying that specific games themselves are all bad. She's saying that certain tropes in games should be looked at. Yeah, so it was, uh, it, was a, it was a cool little bit and uh, a good honour, I say. I mean, uh, bravery of jumping on there and, and just sticking to her guns. I also like the little point made at the end there is exactly uh, what it is to be a feminist. Yeah, that was pretty good. Feminist doesn't mean you hate men. <laughs> it, got a, it got a good reaction. Yes. Anyway, so that's, uh, that's it for the news. Um, let's move on to the reviews. Uh, now, because it's just the two of us, uh, I've pulled a shifty 
again, like I did last episode, and I've got a couple of things to review, but they'll be quick. I noticed uh, in the last episode, you didn't actually rate anything. No, oh, I didn't. Okay, I? The game, that's, that's fair enough, because you haven't finished it yet, but you didn't rate the comics. Didn't I? No, I oh, was disappointed. Oh, well, there you go, I apologise. Considering I keep a telly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do apologise. <laughs> you are totally correct. And this review section is actually is, is basically sponsored by Madman Entertainment, which is pretty cool. I mean, Crystal's uh, item is... Uh, and one of my items were both supplied to us um, for review by Madman. And, uh, again, i just got to throw that out there. Madman Entertainment, absolutely brilliant. The things that they do for films and documentaries uh, and, you know, anime and stuff like that in Australia is just unprecedented. And they're awesome, awesome people. And uh, thank you very much for giving us a chance to review these op- uh, for these topics. Yeah, um, because with my review, The Trip to Italy, because it was such limited cinema release, we found it actually difficult to go and see. So that Madman released it as, as a... As a godsend to us. Yeah, exactly right. Cool, so uh, go for it. Okay, The Trip to Italy. Quite some episodes ago, I reviewed The Trip, which was a six-part TV series re-edited into a film, which is the film version is, which I, is what I saw. Now, I have since made the sequel, The Trip to Italy, which was also, I think, a six-part series, mm-hmm. edited down into a film. Now, the film version is what I saw. Um, it, it revisits the, the fabulous impressions that both Rob Ryden and Steve Coogan do, especially the... Uh, I just want to point out that that noise in the background is not uh, anything electronic. It is actually a bird. I'm not squeaking in a rocking chair. It's, uh, it's not like... Yeah, <laughs> it does sound like a rocking chair, does it? It's the famous Australian lyre bird, I'd say. Yeah, weird. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> back to what I was saying. Um, yeah, right down to the, the, the everyone's favourite where they do their Michael Caine impersonations which evolves into um, the stuff from Batman where they, they go into Christian Bale and <laughs> and Tom Hardy. <laughs> Unintelligible dialogue there. <laughs> it's quite funny. A slight role reversal for Steve and Rob in this one and that uh, Steve seems to be the more happier together one in this film where uh, in the first film Rob was sort of happy, just happy to be along on the trip and Steve was all broody and moody. Steve's still not... Uh, he's not know, the friendliest man in the not world. Not the friendliest man in the world, but he seems to be quite happy with his lot in life at the moment. You're not completely happy, but no one ever is. Um, Rob's, on the other hand, not as happy. And there's an event that happens to Rob which did did not gel with me. I won't spoil what it is, mm. but suffice to say that uh, it did it just didn't sit right with the Rob Brighton character that that I know. And I, and I only know his public persona, and this is what this film is meant to be, his public persona. Mm. Um, and I think it might have worked if they were trying to do something gritty and edgy with the Rob Brydon character and make it a little bit more dramatic, but that's not what this film was. This film's just a, about two guys on a trip, having a good time with each other, learning about each other, learning about life and... Eating good food. Eating good food and doing impressions. So the film actually never actually became... When, I, when, this, when this event happened, I thought, oh, the film's going to take a little bit of a dark turn and there'll be some consequences to this. They never went anywhere with it. No. So unless they did more in the TV series, I don't know, I haven't seen that, but I, I would actually either, either go somewhere with it or just leave it out because it just... To me, I would like to think in real life Rob Brydon would never do that. Yeah, it's funny how that works. Is that you just you don't? It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't. It, I doesn't bother me that Steve Coogan might. Okay, the scene, the scene itself. I, I know. It, it, I'm totally with you. It just doesn't seem right for the 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 portrayal of Rob Brydon that we all know and love. Yeah. And that they that they, they try so hard to 
portray at the start yeah. of the show. Yeah. But I was cool that as long as it went somewhere. Yeah, but it didn't but it actually really go anywhere. Yeah. But uh, I have to say, though, Rob Brydon's acting was good. Yeah, he um, was. In that scene. Um, and the other point I wanted to touch on with this film is it's interesting. They kind of explored the. Um, the theme where it, you don't seem to have really made it in the world unless you've made it in America. Yeah. And there's a, a, a little scene there where they talk about um, different people and they bring up Simon Pegg. Well, Simon Pegg's done a film with Tom Cruise. <laughs> like, that's a really huge thing. And I'm thinking, the film, The Trip itself, is better than Mission Impossible 3. And oh, it goes so far as to say Hot Fuzz is better than Mission Impossible 3. But the thing is, he did a film with Tom Cruise. Oh. <laughs> And I found it interesting because I read this morning, I read a, a New Yorker review on the trip to Italy and, and it's kind of, I don't think they kind of got that. And they, the way they talk about Rob Brydon in this review um, is interesting. It's like he's an up and coming new talent. Well, I guess it is, he's in America, but in America, he but, is, yeah. um, in, in Australia and in, in, in the UK, we've known about him for quite some time. Um, but uh, yeah, I, overall, I, I, I enjoyed the film. I, I thought, the ending was odd. I mean, there was no real plot, and there was no real plot in the first one either, but it kind of got to a natural end. This one kind of just stopped. Yeah. What, they're not even going to go back to England? <laughs> <laughs> At least in the first one, they went, actually went home. Yeah. Uh, or maybe I shouldn't have said that. It spoils the ending. But, <laughs> and my favourite bit, my absolutely favourite bit, is when uh, Rob Brydon does his Parky impersonation. Um, Parky, for those of you who don't know, is Michael Parkinson, who's a famous chat show host in the in the UK, um, and where he's introducing Steve Coogan and 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 Michael Bublé, <laughs> and the way that Steve Coogan just sort of cracks up at it, it's just I I, I don't know for sure, but I, I, I assume a lot of the dialogue is ad libbed. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, on the whole, uh, I didn't enjoy this one as much as the first one because of the weird Rob Brydon character thing. So, I'll, I'll give this one a three and a half. What did you give the trip? Four. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I actually think that's a little generous. I, just, I didn't like this anywhere near as much as the first one. Some, I mean, the the improv stuff was, was hilarious, especially the one where, yeah, the Rob's the, doing the award and Steve's like, he's like, I want to cuddle and... It's like his prison, his prison cellmate or something. It's like, oh, I want a spoon and stuff. Because they just they seem to be just quite genuinely enjoying enjoying the situation. But Rob's accepting an award because he killed a lifetime award for Steve, who he killed. Who killed? Who killed? Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's it's pretty it's pretty funny stuff. But yeah, yeah. That 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 sudden jarring sort of, and then where it doesn't sort of go anywhere. It just it just uh, basically the, the the whole thing just stopped dead at that point, which I found just really quite strange. Um, but Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon awesome so i would have given it yeah i will say two out of five uh so on to my reviews uh so very very quickly so a couple of really quick ones before i get on to my major one deliver us from evil was a film starring australia's own eric barner and um is it barner or banner banner barner if you want to be posh <laughs> we'll go with banner because <laughs> i'm not posh at all uh so it uh, is uh, is based on well it says it's inspired by the real life events uh, around a New York police sergeant um, sort of named uh, Sergeant Sachi. Oh, uh, I Sachi, heard him talking Sachi. about this on the radio. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it, exactly. It, was, it got a bit of uh, promotion here, you know, because, you know, it's just, he's Australian. So, we, so we checked it out. Australian's own. Yeah, Australian's own. And, um, <laughs> yeah, so it turns out, so this, uh, this specific story is, is not, uh, nothing that actually happened to him, but it's, you know, inspired by and stuff. And I don't know. I just found it kind of weak, I'll be honest with you. I mean, it's, it's not that... No one single person sort of let it down. I mean, Eric Banner is always good. 
Um, the guy that plays the priest is also quite good. He played uh, Ares in the, just the awful Wrath of the Titans film. So it's, I mean, it's, it, everybody you know does their thing, and uh, and it wasn't atrociously bad. You know, in the end of the day, I just it was very very forgettable type stuff, and uh, I find it hard to recommend it unless you're a big Eric Banner fan. Well, that's disappointing because I, I heard them talk about it on the radio. And which made me not want to see it, but also made me think that it could be a really good film. But it made me not want to see it in the fact that because it's too good and too scary. It's not scary it's <laughs> in the absolute slightest. Like it tries, it tries a couple of things that you would consider to be scary, and I, I almost fell asleep. Uh, so yeah, so deliver for me. I'll go. Uh, I don't know, two out of five. A second quick one is Hercules, which is the uh, the re- recent Brett Ratner remake. Uh, with uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, Hercules, Hercules! <laughs> yeah, it is based on a series of uh, comics. It uh, it got a bit of promo, uh, a bit of fame, because uh, Alan Moore basically said it was a disgrace uh, the way that they treated the, the gentleman who wrote the original original comics, and I actually kind of agree with that. Uh, but the film itself, just talking about just the film itself, I love The Rock. I think Dwayne Johnson's got an awesome screen presence. Um, so that's mainly why I saw it. I can't stand Brett Ratner's work. He's just, he's terrible, let's be honest. And uh, this one doesn't disappoint. It's its terrible. But at least some of it is, I mean, The, the Rock is, is so so much of a screen presence that he sort of he lifts up some of the boring stuff. Um, and so it basically deals with uh, the, the legend the legend of Hercules. It's, it's, that's pretty important. Where it, It's basically saying that Hercules himself may or may not actually be the son of Zeus. Um, and even if he is, the legends around him have been, you know, exaggerated uh, so much that uh, it's inevitable that you would think that he was anyway. Uh, but the reality is, is that all the things that he did, I mean, he did, he did actually do the twelve labors, um, uh, but he actually he had help. He has like a gang, <laughs> a group that help him out, um, and they're all cool. Like all the characters in the group are all cool. I mean, it, it's always good to see Eric McShane. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's brain and everything. Hercules um, and his merry men. It's basically Hercules and his merry men. You're totally right. Um, and so, so they're pretty cool. They get hired uh, to train the army uh, of um, this king who's trying to stop these rebels. Um, and I'm not going to give anything away. It, you know, it all it all goes bad. <laughs> That's not giving anything away to say that. And uh, you know, Hercules has to has to either be you know the Hercules a myth or Hercules the man. But either way, he still needs to be Hercules the hero. Um, so it's they bad. Should, that was very good. They should use that as the byline. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I, I try my best. Um, I'm a professional through and through. Um, so yeah. So even though it was bad, at least it was enjoyably bad. Um, Atalanta is cool. So uh, I, you know, terrible, but I enjoyed it. Give it uh, three out of five. So my actual, so my main review is uh, of from Madman Entertainment, Erwin uh, Allen's The Time Tunnel, the complete series. Um, so Erwin Allen is uh, probably best known as creator of Lost in Space. Um, now we've mentioned uh, the Time Tunnel before in uh, in a previous episode in relation to the actual uh, sort of like um, yeah our favorite sort of things our top five things in science fiction, which of course was time travel um, and uh, just and then the theme music and stuff like that. So the theme music is actually John Williams. How cool is that? Star Wars, John Williams. Star Wars is John Williams. Pretty cool. It is pretty cool. So the Time Tunnel uh, deals with Project TikTok, which is a secret scientific uh, project that's uh, deep deep underground under arizona it's like ridiculously underground it houses you know like thousands of people in this project uh, where where they deal where they try to create uh controllable time travel um and uh 
through the, the mishaps in episode one, uh, two of uh, the, the people from the project get trapped in time. Uh, one of them intentionally, because he actually jumps in to prove a point, um, and uh, the other one who goes in to sort of try and help him, and they eventually get trapped. They're unable to uh, be brought back to the present, uh, but they are able to be able to assist it. So the, the, the TikTok project people in in our time or real time the time their, then their time <laughs> what if you, I don't know what do you, you want to call it <laughs> it's, 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 fil- it's filmed in the 60s yeah so it's, yeah. it's like six, 64 or 68 or so, whatever mm-hmm. so the, the people in that time are able to uh, lock on to the, the two time travellers um, uh, Tony Newman and Doug Phillips and uh, are magically, able to see what they're doing and hear what they're doing. Yeah, magically able. To, where's where is the camera? I don't yeah, I know. Where's the camera? It's it's pretty <laughs> funny. But you know, you get, as long as you're willing to suspend disbelief, it's all good. And uh, but what's 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 even more fascinating is they're able to talk to them, <laughs> which is hilarious, um, and, and, and assist of, in certain ways. They don't sort of have any device to facilitate there's, that either. They just absolutely answer. no reason why that's possible. But yeah. it's all good. Because they're unable to bring them back, they are able to um, save them at certain points and basically uh, jerk them out of the time that they're in, but that, there's no real control to that. So they, they can be pulled out of the time period that they are, but where they end up is totally random, and that's that's a pretty cool little thing. So the first episode is uh, all about the project itself, and uh, they end up on the Titanic. And then when they, uh, then they're jerked out of the Titanic and they end up in Mission to Mars, so they, they so it can be past or future, and basically just ends up doing the same sort of thing. Um, now it's uh, it was it was it only lasted one single season. Uh, one of the 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 executives at the at the um, station that it was being showing wasn't a fan, and he managed to uh, even though it was actually doing quite well in its its uh, it was on Friday nights back in the sixties, and that was sort of deemed the sort of like the nightmare uh, spot. Um, and even though it was in that sort of nightmare type spot, it was still doing uh, well enough. Um, to, and, but because this, this particular executive didn't like it, uh, he managed to get it pulled and replaced with, um, I believe, a show called Custer um, or something, something Custer or something like that. And, um, and we all remember that one. Yeah, which nobody remembers and was axed after like three episodes. So, you know, it's a damn shame that this wasn't actually then brought back. They did attempt a remake um, in t- 2002 which was a, quite a bit more sort of dark and gritty, you know, which is, you know, it's from the 2000s, so you've got to, it's, mm-hmm. you've got to expect that sort of stuff, I suppose. Um, and uh, it didn't get past the pilot stage. Um, That's a shame. It no, did, it I did actually, actually of, don't think it is a shame, because actually the pilot's not that very good. It did, it did sort of, the, the concepts sort of spawned shows like Quantum Leap and Sliders. Oh, yeah, and totally, totally Sliders, totally on the money. It is essentially Quantum Leap and Sliders. Yeah. It's basically what it is. Um, so, and without, without this, they wouldn't have had that. Um, now it's it's an awesome series. It's I mean I'm not gonna I'm not trying to get a gloss over its faults. It's got it's it's due to um, you know production costs and stuff like that. Some of the sets are really quite bad. It's Every same time with Star they, Trek. yeah, it's, it's basically it's the same. It's the same with Star Trek. Is I mean all the outside shots are all in the same place. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what time period you're in, it all looks like Arizona. Um, and uh, or. Especially, it was filmed in in California, so it all looks like sort of the deserty areas of California, much like Star Trek. Um, you know, Kirk's fights and stuff. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's there's the ridiculousness of how they can actually see them and talk to them. You know, is like I said, you just got to gloss over it and enjoy it for what it is. Um, the only the only other real sort of gripe I would have with it is that every single episode. Now, I'm not exaggerating here. Every single episode is essentially this plot. 
They arrive in the time period, they get captured, they escape, they get captured again, they escape, they move to the next part. I mean, that that's ridiculous. Um, after a while, that does sort of, kind of grind on you. But the coolness, the coolness factor of the time tunnel itself, which looks magnificent, the awesome music, you know, the, the going through you know, back and forth through time and stuff, you know, is, is awesome. It's awesome enough to sort of override that. And James Darren, who, yeah. who viewers will know from Star Trek Deep Space Nine as Vic Fontaine. That's right. A young James Darren. He is uh, one of the doctors. So yeah. it's, it's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, it's, I actually think it's better than Lost in Space. I'll be honest with you. I'm actually not a big Lost in Space fan, but uh, I think it is. Uh, Lost in Space did have a bit best. more variety of uh, storylines. Oh, yeah, totally, totally different, but more variety of storylines. But it's, I just think the coolness, the time travel coolness of this sort of overrides that, yeah. you know. Anyway, so that's, uh, that's the time channel. Now, it comes out uh, from, like I said, it's released from Madman. Uh, it's on an eight-disc uh, complete series box set. But, uh, this box set is magnificent. It's got all the original episodes. Uh, it's got the um, the unaired pilot episode, the the remake pilot episode, the Time Travelers TV movie, uh, and a whole bunch of behind-the-scenes sort of promotional-type stuff. Owen Allen's behind the scenes movies, cast interviews. I mean, it's just, it's got everything you could possibly want. From Mad Men Entertainment, available on their website, check it out. I'd never actually seen the first episode, but as soon as James Darren put that turtleneck on, I went, oh, yep, all the memories are coming back now. <laughs> You're obsessed. <laughs> you, you like James Darren, that's all it is. Like the turtleneck. Is that, that's what it is? The turtleneck. Turtleneck, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's, uh, that's our reviews. Let's move on to our top five. It's our top five favourite fictional places that we would like to visit or live in. It's a topic that I've, been, I've wanted to do for a while, so uh, I'm pretty excited about it. And we're going to start off with Crystal. Okay, I'm going to go from five to one. Okay. Yes. Least favourite to most favourite? Yes. Where? That's what five to one is. Yeah, I was going to do one to five. That's right. You can do that. Oh, I can do that. There's no rules. There's no rules. No rules. <laughs> What's the deal with the rules? <laughs> um, number five. The Labyrinth, as in David Bowie's Labyrinth. Is it David Bowie's Labyrinth? Or was it Jim Henson's Labyrinth? Everybody knows who I mean when it's I say David da- it's Bowie's It's David Bowie's codpieces Labyrinth. <laughs> David Bowie's hair's Labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good choice. Well, I wouldn't like to live there, oh. but I would like to visit there. Oh, okay, fair enough. Because all the little crazy characters and the music. It'd be cool. It would be cool. It would be cool. That's a good choice. Number four, again, not likely to live, to live there, but a visit there, Pepperland. It's the place where the Beatles go to save the day in the... Oh, the Yellow Submarine! the Yellow Submarine movie! <laughs> no! It's such a cool place. Very psychedelic. Excellent music. Disaster. Because Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band are essentially the Beatles. Um, and, and all you have to do to save the day is sing songs about love. All you need is love. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> Number three is Armstrong Dome. Now... Unless you've read the same series of books I have, you probably don't know this one. But you can probably guess from the name of the place where it is. It's it's on the moon. Arms, Armstrong Dome is set in the Retrieval Artist universe from the series of Retrieval Artist books by my favourite author, Christine Catherine Rush. And it just seems like a, a cool place. It, it seems like it would be New York if New York was on the moon. Okay, gotcha. Yep. So that'd be a cool place to visit. Number two, The Shire, which... Probably don't need to explain, but it's from Lord of the Rings. It's where the Hobbits live. Well, we kind of actually did visit. We visited the set. so yeah, It's not quite the same. Not quite the same as actually <laughs> being there and interacting with the little Hobbits and, and sharing a glass of mead. And 
Uh, they, they also it seem, always seem to be sunny and happy in a shire, and they've got lots of nice food, and everyone loves each other, and it's just a nice place to be. Well, I wouldn't say everybody loves flowers, each other. Flowers and spring, <laughs> and oh yeah, well you do have the the um, you have the mean hobbits, Labella or whatever her name is. Oh, no. yeah, the, the mean, the mean, the anyway, mean, it would, it the mean Bagginses. Uh, and my number one place to visit or even live would be the Starship Enterprise. Now I picked specifically the Enterprise D because Kirk's Enterprise would be too small and pokey. Yeah. And the Enterprise D's got far better technology. So you've got, not only do you have like a huge suite, which is like an apartment, you've got your main living area, your, your bedroom and awesome window to stare out of at the, at the universe. You've got the full range of the computer that you can, they can use the computer catalogs. And if you happen to even get bored of life on board the Enterprise, if that's even possible. It's almost like, you know, when you get asked for three wishes and you ask for as many wishes as you want, this is my version of that. You can go to the holodeck and then go anywhere else you want. So yeah. I can go to all the other four places on my list. Oh, well done. <laughs> oh, you've, already, you've thought it out. I yes. like it. Put a lot of thought into it. Yes. And it's, yeah, I mean, the Enterprise D, that'd be awesome. Yeah. And uh, as long as you were someone important, as long as you weren't just some pleb, <laughs> well, I have noticed even like even the 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 yeomans, their quarters are much bigger than Captain Kirk's quarters were on the first Enterprise. Oh yeah, the Enterprise is tiny. Yeah. It was a good list. All right. Well, since you did that, I guess I'll do the same thing. I'll, I'll do five to one as well, and I've got a couple of uh, honorable mentions. Oh, I did have an honorable mention too. Just quickly, Shell's neighbourhood. Shell's neighbourhood. <laughs> Come on. When I was a little kid, I wanted to go to Shell's neighbourhood. <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> Um, okay, so I'll start for I'll start five and uh, go to one. Um, number five, I've got Hogwarts. Now, I'm not the hugest Harry Potter fan in the world, like <laughs> like some some people, but uh, just the whole idea of Hogwarts is, is just cool. I mean, you learn to be to the wizardry ways. It's basically essentially a boarding school where you learn to be a wizard and you eat ridiculous stuff. Like I just, I mean, I couldn't go there as a, as a diabetic, but uh, just the just the stuff that they get to eat and, but, and, and interact with instead. But, but if you were being a wizard, could you then magic the diabetes away? That's right, I'd magic the diabetes away. <laughs> so Hogwarts would be awesome, uh, but not during the whole Voldemort business, <laughs> like all the war stuff. Like just when it's just on its own. So you're not there to help out, Harry. I'm not here there. I'm not there to help. I'm just here there to eat cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, this would be completely about Hogwarts. Uh, and number four, I've got the Star Wars universe, but specifically the Old Republic, um, as portrayed in the comics, books, and the game. And only if I was either a Jedi Knight or a Sith, because uh, they're everywhere. I just, I just really, really love that period of Star Wars history. It's like you know, there's Jedi and Sith all over the place, and it seems it seems to be a bit more sort of like the Old West of the Star Wars universe. Uh, it was quite cool. Uh, at number three, I've got New New York which is the version of New York as seen in the Futurama TV show. Oh, not New New York in Doctor Who. No, not that rubbish. There's no Doctor Who on, this, on this list. <laughs> no, no, New, New New York is the, fut- the Futurama New New York, which is awesome because I'd be in a cartoon universe, so wacky things could happen. And, you know, I get to meet, you know, Bender and, and uh, the rest of the crew and, and uh, those the way that they travel around in those tubes and, you know, it's just crazy, crazy stuff. Awesome. And, uh, and number two, I've got... Marvel New York, so uh, New York as in the Marvel Universe. Then once again, I have to sort of point out, not as just some lowly sort of common person, I would have to obviously be a super-powered being. Otherwise, what would be the point? Uh, because 
as it's constantly shown in these comics, just the, the normal average person, they just get wiped out. Because everything happens in New York, and they're always getting wiped out. So I'd have to be one of the superhero people. I have a question for you as a comic book aficionado. Yeah. Metropolis is basically New York. Essentially. Gotham is basically New York. No, Gotham is actually... Wasn't Batman Gotham... set in New York? No, well, Gotham, the sort of the, the analogy to Gotham, I suppose, would be something like Chicago. Isn't it filmed in New York? Probably. <laughs> it doesn't make it a bit confusing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I could be wrong. Spider-Man yeah. is in New York. Hey, it's weird. Why? Yeah, well, Spider-Man's in the Marvel New York. Yeah. New York, New York. Yeah, New York, New York. New York, New York. <laughs> not New New York. Anyway, moving on. This is uh, swiftly becoming not funny. But at number one, I've got the Star Trek universe. Yay! So uh, I'm with you there. And, you know, once again, I specified Starfleet. And someone important. So I'll, I'll go with the Enterprise D for sure. You would be on the Enterprise D. That'd be awesome. As part of the main crew. Cool stuff. I mean, like, horrible stuff happens to those people. But they always get out of it. It's all right. Yeah, by the next episode, it's fine. Yeah. Unless, unless you're Tasha, yeah. They're all good. Yeah, unless you're Tasha, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, some honourable mentions. One of, them's, one of them's a joke on my mention. I just want to see the look on your face when I say it. Some honourable mentions. I've got Wonderland. So once again, I wouldn't want to live there, but I would like to visit there. As, as in Alice. As in Alice, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Looking Glass World, or whatever you want to call it. Um, the Chocolate Factory, once again, not as a diabetic. <laughs> Otherwise, what would be the point? That's after you visited Hogwarts. So after I visited Hogwarts and I've been cured, it, uh, I'd go. I'd live in the Chocolate Factory for sure. Because, come on, rivers of chocolate. And umpalumpas. And umpalumpas. How could you say no to that? <laughs> the music uh, might be a bit jarring after a while. <laughs> uh, Sunnydale, California, which is the setting for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, not sure Only just that. so I could be part of the Scooby Gang. So if I'm not part of the Scooby game, I don't want to be there because I'll probably get killed in the first episode. And uh, last but not least, Castle Anthrax. What? <laughs> it's the place where the grail-shaped beacon is oh! in Monty Python's Holy Grail. Yeah, with Zoot and uh, all the, the buxom young ladies. <laughs> I'm here to rescue you! No! I don't <laughs> so that was... Because so obviously I couldn't be married at this point. <laughs> Otherwise, what would be the point? <laughs> Are we still good? We're still good. You're not divorced? Mm, no. <laughs> I'm like, I had to think about that. <laughs> cool, so that's, uh, so that's our top fives. I hope you liked them. Um, if you want to send in your top five favourite fictional places, please do so. We'd love to read them out. And I hope you enjoyed ours. Cool, so next up uh, we've got some interviews. Now, uh, crew member Silhouette uh, was able to attend uh, Armageddon Expo. Uh, for NCP, uh, we, we were unable to make it because we were flying back from New York at that time. So, do you think we've mentioned New York enough in the last few episodes? Yeah, <laughs> I think we have. <laughs> Even the places we want to, we, even some of my places of visit with New York, a fictional New York. <laughs> as of let's, let's let's just make it thin. As of this episode, no more mentions of New York. It's like Howard Wolowitz mentioning space every five minutes. I know. I apologise. <laughs> I, 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 I'm glad that you pointed that out. But uh, anyway, so um, I was, was able to attend um, uh, Armageddon Expo and uh, got some interviews for us and uh, and some also some video interviews that we'll have up on uh, YouTube uh, as soon as we possibly can. Uh, but so these are some of these are some audio interviews that she got. Now, first up, we've got uh, Miss Sarah Louise Madison, uh, who played 
uh, a weeping angel in the new Doctor Who series, and has done a, a bunch of other stuff as well. So, and then after her, we've got uh, Mr. Sean Schemmel, uh, who is probably best known for his voice work on the cartoon series Dragon Ball Z. Ted. It's Z. <laughs> it's pronounced Z. Uh, Dragon Ball Z, uh, specifically as Goku, um, but uh, others as well. He's also, he's also done just a heap of other voice work as well. It's just an amazing body of work, um, and he just sounds like a really cool dude. So. Uh, would have been cool to have met him, and to have met both of them, would have been cool. Um, so yeah, so it's uh, Sarah Louise Madison and Sean Schemmel, and then we'll be back for coming soon, and to finish the show. Hi, it's Silhouette from Nerd Culture Podcast, I need to tell you guys something, it's something important. Don't blink, don't even think about it, don't turn around, or you're dead. Don't blink. So that should give you a hint on who I am about to interview next. Her first appearance as a weeping angel in of Flesh and Stone in Doctor Who, it is Sarah Louise Madison. Hello. Hey, y'all. Alrighty, so I've seen like a little bit of your back, back catalogue. So you've done Weeping Angels, you've done Time Zombie Clara, yeah. and you've done a lot of horror stuff as well. So do you have, are you a fan of horror films and stuff? Or? I actually, I'm scared of horror. Oh. Yes, I'm, I'm a bit better now. I'm starting to watch more horrors. But yeah, it's... Um, yeah, I find them quite scary. Yeah. As someone who's portrayed a weeping angel, are you yourself afraid of weeping angels? Yes. Because yes. I, I saw them in Blink, and yeah, they terrified me. Them and the, the gas masks children. Oh my god, the are you my mummy thing? Ugh. Yeah, no. Just freaking. No, just no. <laughs> how, how did you find yourself portraying a weeping angel for the first time? So, how did you like find yourself in that role? Um, well, my agent rung me up. Yeah. Um, and asked for my measurements, and then I found out that it was an audition for Doctor Who, which was, you know, just amazing. Yeah. Just to go and audition for <laughs> Doctor Who. So then I worked with the choreographer um, and in the audition then, yeah. and we just worked on a bunch of movements and to see how you kind of portray the character in that way, and worked with her on the set as well. That's pretty cool. Do you find acting without any sort of verbal input, any lines, a lot more difficult than acting traditionally with lines and such? <laughs> um, no, not really. Um, sometimes it is it is a bit easier when you, you know, get to say what you're yeah. feeling or whatever. But no, I, I quite enjoy I enjoy it, yeah. Is there a certain challenge to doing scary characters than to doing your traditional happy bouncy Clara kind of characters. I actually prefer playing the scarier characters hey. or the, the meaner characters. They're just they're just fun to play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there any role that's like your dream role to get? Oh um, not so much a dream role but a dream film. I would really love to because they bring out the Assassin's Creed movie. Yeah. I would love to be a part of that. Uh, that would be brilliant. That would be freaking amazing. I'm excited <laughs> for that one coming yes. out. So is this your first time in Melbourne? Yes. Yes. Ah, how are you enjoying it so far? Yeah, it's been good. I've popped up the street and had a had a little walk around. But yeah, when he came I think I arrived in the hotel about four o'clock this morning. No, so. <laughs> so jet lag is just slowly <laughs> creeping through. No. Um, how many have you done a lot of conventions before with like meeting and greets with fans and stuff? Um, I've done a couple of ones in the UK, but um, yeah, this one this one is a bit different because it's more 
like we've got the cocktail parties yeah. and you've got the interviews and everything like that. So the ones that I usually go to just kind of turn up and talk to the fans one to one. Sometimes you do an on-stage interview. That's pretty cool. Yeah. What's, um, what's your most memorable fan moment that you've had? Oh, gosh. <laughs> There's a convention local to me yeah. and she's one of the first people to come up and, you know, on my first signing. And uh, since then, we've spoken quite a few at quite a few conventions, and she's bringing me like uh, presents for my parrot and stuff like that. And That's so cute. It is, it is so, so so sweet. It's like peach chinking level of. <laughs> what would be your childhood influences that you have, just in life in general? What for acting? Or? Yeah, just um, has there ever been like a character or an actor, any sort of person that you see as a role model? When I was growing up, I really liked Nicole Kidman because um, I saw her in Moulin Rouge, uh, and I just thought that her portrayal of that character was just brilliant. Mm-hmm. I think you know the the look that she had and yeah. the way she acted it and everything. I, I think that that whole film is just amazing. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Did you get to keep any props or memorabilia from any of your roles? Um, with the Weeping Angel, I've got some of because I played the semi-formed angel as well. Oh yeah! I got to keep some of the arm skin. That's pretty cool. So yeah, I'm I'm quite happy about that. <laughs> I'd be staring at that in my house, going. Oh, don't, don't move. <laughs> Twitching. <laughs> what? Um, so, were you a fan of Doctor Who as a child as well? As well, I I did I didn't know about it when I was, you know, quite young. Yeah. But then when I was, I think I was fourteen or fifteen when Chris Brackleston brought it back. Yeah, same. That's when I got into the the all the new Who and stuff. Yes. Who would be? And I know this is a really cliche question again. I'm sorry if a million people have asked, <laughs> but who would be your favorite Doctor? That's, that's a mean question. I, I know, know so many of them. And especially because it's like, you've acted with them. It's like, oh, no. I know. Because uh-huh. I think the two, the two top ones for me personally would be David Tennant and Matt Smith. Mm. Because David Tennant was the doctor mainly while I was growing up. Yeah. So I kind of grew up with him as a doctor. Then, of course, I worked with, <laughs> with, Matt. with Matt as well. So, yeah, that's... I'm, I'm, I'll leave it at two. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like working with Matt and like Karen Gillian and such awesome, awesome? Yeah, it was, it was really good because I I was the first story that Matt and Karen filmed because uh, yeah, the Weeping Angel story was the first story that they filmed, so they were new to it as well. So we kind of you know everyone was just kind of <laughs> bewildered and. <laughs> baffled by it all Aww. so it was yeah it was really really good I'm picturing all of you guys with like doe eyes and it's all shiny and you that's so cute um, I want to ask something not conventional I want something that fans would be interested about that's not what's usually asked how about is there anything that is like a guilty pleasure that you have like for example mine would be as shameful as this is for the goth that I am but I love the Spice Girls Oh. And I know all the words and dance moves, which is really embarrassing when I'm drunk. Yeah. So what would your guilty pleasure be? Okay. I really love weepy rom-coms. Oh. Like, I love um, P.S. I Love You and Phantom of the Opera, oh. Moulin Rouge, stuff like that. I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a sucker for <laughs> oh. 
that's so cute. Hopeless romantic stuff. That's so cute. Oh, I can't. I, I'm just, oh, again as a fan. I'm sitting there picturing a weeping angel, and it's like weeping angel. <laughs> Chick flicks. <laughs> Shock horror. Um, this is a standard question we have to ask everybody. Okay. Mind you, this question has, has left some people 4 a.m. laying in the hotel room going, oh my God, now I know how to answer this thing. <laughs> is if there was any question that you want asked right now at this interview, what would it be? Want to be asked. Oh gosh. <laughs> that is tough. <laughs> I feel guilty asking this for so many people because they're so jet lagged and they're yeah. like, I can't think right now. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's like, um, my, my mouth's working, but the brain isn't really <laughs> joining in. I'll probably say the one that you've already asked me, which is what you know, what kind of role I want to play in the future. Yeah, Sorry. I like <laughs> you did it. Finally, get one. Like, yes, <laughs> got in there. So I'd like to say thank you so much for thank letting you. me interview, for coming here today, and I hope you have fun at the convention tomorrow. Thank you, all the cute fans. <laughs> so hi, I'm Silhouette, and you're listening to Nerd Culture Podcast. I'm here with the ever spectacular Sean Schemmel. Correct. Beautiful. Which is after the entire Air New Zealand staff butchered it in numerous ways, oh. which is hilarious to me because it's to me such an obvious name to spell. Most people say Chamel or Chamel, you know, like which yeah. is my my Stefan or Kel name. Like Steve Urkel is my Sean Chamel name, and <laughs> Stefan or Kel is Sean Chamel, the smooth one. Uh, anyway, yes, I'm yes. Sean Chamel. Yes, correct. Cool. <laughs> How did you begin your voice acting career? Um, my career was a little different than um, a typical actor. I was a classical musician playing in orchestras, and I had a kind of a knack for wanting to do voices all the time. And my friends pressured me to audition for an open casting call for Dragon Ball Z, and I auditioned and got the lead. So, and then ever since then, I've done I think a hundred different voices for thirty or forty different shows is, in the last fifteen years. So, I guess. Oh, that is amazing. I love how you come from a completely different background as well. So, yeah, but oddly enough, eighty percent of it translated. Ooh. About eighty percent of it, I would say, that's pretty translated to. Uh, it really helped, you know. So, out of curiosity, because I'm a musician, I can't help but ask. But what did you play in orchestral side of things? I was a professional French hornist, so I played for a lot of Dallas orchestras in that area. Um, I did that for about twenty years. Um, that's pretty damn cool. Uh, well, that includes all the training. Twenty years, ten years professionally, twenty years, ten years of you know training. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't realize I'd like anything more than that until I stepped in the booth the first time, and no. and it's been a love affair ever since. So. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I can only imagine now that we've brought that up in the interview that there's going to be like a million fan fictions now written with Goku in an orchestra, so I'm <laughs> sorry if weird stuff pops up. Well, he blew the horn so powerfully, he'd blast the trombones or whoever's behind, how they completely away. You know? <laughs> Planets blown, blown away. away. <laughs> By the mighty horn. <laughs> so out of all the characters that you've done voice acting for, yeah. which one's do you feel that you've connected with the most? Well, Goku has got to be one. Uh, in fact, I would, I've would i been asked this question in different ways over the last many years, and Goku, while not necessarily my favorite character to play, is my favorite character by virtue of the fact that it was my first character. It is a very special, mythical character, and it is a character that affects um, millions of people. Um, and it's it's got a... The rest, if I could put my resume like Goku and then everything else, that's pretty much how it would be. So it's... Uh, very special uh, character to I think because of the effect and, and also there's there's aspects of Goku's personality that are very much like my inner little boy not not so much like me I'm a little nerdy uh, well he's nerdy in his own martial arts way but he's not nerdy like Gohan nerdy or Chi Chi wants to be nerdy but yeah there's there's definitely aspects I mean when I got cast my producer said you know I didn't cast you because you act like Goku I cast you because you are Goku I'm like I didn't understand what that means at the time but it, you know I I'm digressing. Yes, it's yeah. it's a special, very special role. What was the question? Um, <laughs> no, digressing is good. Um, yes! On what level did you connect with 
Goku. So I got thrown off oh, by yeah, the yeah, excitement yeah. behind me. But um, I think I think mainly, you know, especially especially early in my career when I was very naive to the business, and I have a certain naivete around life. Like I remember one time in my mid to late thirties, I got real drunk because I don't drink very often, and I called on my friends and I said, "Hey, you know that thing you do where you get drunk and then you call your friends and tell them you love them? I'm doing that." But this was like at thirty-five, you know. You know, so I thought I'm gonna. You know, I was very. I don't get adult things, you know. I just there are a lot of adult things. I just I'm just now at 45, getting and and understanding some uh, adult cultural yeah. things, you know. Being an adult's boring. Like I yeah. sit there talk about the weather, wear bad shorts. No, yeah, like I I, I just now I think I understand the basics of like I always like well, my stocks and my money and blah blah blah. Like I was just like I didn't get it, you know. I mean I get it now, but. Uh, you can survive, take care of yourself. That's about as mm-hmm. adult as it needs to get. Exactly. <laughs> um, what has there ever been a character you didn't enjoy playing? Yeah, there's. Well, there's large. Sometimes those characters are just. I don't like the sound coming out of my mouth, but they like it, or it's extremely painful. Goku's not the most painful character I've played physically, yeah. uh, given all the screaming, actually. Yeah. The most difficult one was uh, Black Narcissist or Black Doom in Shadow the Hedgehog. Uh, I was talking like this for 14 hours. Oh my god. Not in a row, but like three hours yeah. at a time, yeah. And that was really painful. And then there was this one announcer character I did on F0GX, F0GPX or something. I was the... the uh, MC for that, uh, that character MC. It was yeah, like this yeah. really ridiculous character, and it was just God. This is the why did they pick me for this? This is horrible. Um, so there's some characters I have enjoyed playing, but you know the, the goal is even if you're playing, you can't ever get involved in whether what you think of it necessarily mm. to some degree because it really is a, a world of one man's junk is another man's treasure. So. There's a lot of people coming to me like, you know that voice you did? Dun, 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 dun. I'm like, yes, it was totally like the best sounding thing ever. And I, I can't argue with them. I'm not going to go, you're wrong, because I think it sucks. I mean, they were right to their opinion. So I try yeah. not to be too honest about how much I reveal about what I like and don't like, because I don't want to influence what um, yeah, other people's opinions. Because, you know, they can be very, well, if you like it, that means it must be good, right? And I'm like, no, you got to have your own. Exactly. It's like, own, think for yourself. Think for yourself, yeah. yeah. Big, big, big selling, being a. a Philosophical yeah. point that I try to drive home: think for yourself oh, and fall in love with exploration. Well, you know, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with, has there ever been a character that you wish to have sat there and gone, "I wish I voiced that. I wish that was me." Um, I get asked that question a lot. You know, most of my friends jokingly say all of them because it involves money. But um, and there's some that I have got to wish that I, I've got to play that I wished I played. I got to play Batman in The Dark Knight Rises for iPad. Uh, which you know was required me to do a Christian Bale uh, voice match, yeah. and and that was really really fun. And it's there's some vo- there's some well, it's not characters that I think I could do better, mm-hmm. but there are characters that I I love that I wish I could voice, yeah. like some characters on Adventure Time or regular show. Or I really like those shows. I never would have taken you for a fan of Adventure Time and stuff. Oh, I'm a hu- my, well, my girlfriend got me. My girlfriend's a little bit younger than me. She's uh, 12 years younger than me. She's 34 now, and she said, "Shine, you gotta watch Adventure Time. You gotta watch Adventure Time." And I'm like. And I'd seen one episode and liked it, but it, you know, Adventure Time's deep. Yeah. And the regular show is written by a guy who's my age, so it's all '80s jokes, and I'm getting every one of them. So, and it's also an acid trip. It totally is, although I've never done acid. But apparently, I, I can always guess. I'm like, there'll be one moment in the show, and I'm like, okay, they just drop acid, and then it switches to an acid trip, like immediately. I'll be yeah. watching that with fresh eyes. Yeah, he'll be. Yeah, he'll see it. I, and I, it was rumored that one of those guys said that yes, it, like the guys who write it said. 
it is an acid trip at some point. But I don't, I don't, I don't know those guys, so I can't misquote them. Um, <laughs> but Adventure Time's deep, and it's uh, it's rich storytelling, and it's 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 just wonderful. I think it's one of the probably the best show on television for animation right now. Yeah, best series on television right now. Yeah, yeah. I really I'd like it. Put it up there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so many times just watching it on YouTube, just going. Of prelay, not including anime, of course. No, of course. Separate, set a boundary. <laughs> yeah, I got to rep my show. No. <laughs> What would your favorite childhood cartoons have been? Well, when I was a kid, I watched a lot of Super Friends. Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice. Quick, Robin, get the Bat Alphabet soup container. You know, that sort of thing with that. Well, because that was actually uh, Adam West. But I watched the Batman live-action series when I was a kid. I watched Speed Buggy, uh, Bugs Bunny, of course. Mel Blanc is a legend. Um, I don't think anybody's better than him yet to this day. I, I think he's probably still probably the best. Still king. Still king, I think. Um, yeah. I'm more of a... I've always loved, like, the Hanna-Barbera stuff. Oh, I watched so a lot like, of that. Uh-huh. You reminded me, yes. Hanna-Barbera. I watched a lot of Hanna-Barbera. A lot yeah, of Hanna-Barbera yeah. and a lot of the live-action Sid and Marty Croft stuff, mm. you know, which isn't animation, but to me it's animation. It's animated in, a, in its style. Totally you know, It's live-action, yeah. Any upcoming projects you feel like pimping out? Well, I... Um, we just did Battle of Gods. Yeah. Um, I just did some guest starring roles on Sophia the First, um, which I can't tell you which ones yet, though. Um... I've done a couple of video games I can't talk about yet. Uh, I did. I get got to work with Frank Welker uh, on, a, on a, a show that, if you do the math, you'll figure out which one. But I can't talk about that. Um, <laughs> It'll be like a really cool, cool game now. It's like you have to sit there and just listen out for him. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. There's a lot. There, I've done a lot of games lately. Um, I just did Smite. I did another part in Smite. I've, I've done two parts on that now. I'm, I, you know, it's so funny. I'm never one of those guys. I mean, I have a Twitter feed, and, and I'll get a part on a show, and I'll talk about who I get to work with. But I'm not. I'm not the kind of guy that's like. I'm doing this on this voice, partly for this reason. Uh, one is, I don't want you to know it's me. Yeah. Because to me, part of the illusion is, on the other hand, I promote myself and I go to conventions and I meet kids, right, so they can see me or whatever. The other hand is when you're watching the show, Hollywood likes to do this, and I don't always agree with it, where they try to make the, the animated like the, like the person. And I, I don't want to think about Jack McBrayer as much as I love him mm. when I'm watching Wreck-It Ralph and I'm and with Jack. That's not. That's not. This. It's. It's their personality. So uh, for me, if I'm, if you don't know it's me, and at the end you go, "Holy crap, that was Sean." Yeah. Yes, that's one of my. I have rules of voice acting. A lot of people still don't know that I voice Goku and King Kai. So when I'm having conversations oh. with myself, I'm gonna go King King Kai and Goku. I'm gonna make a voice. Then I like that because people aren't thinking about can you catch it they're just in the moment with me exactly. and in the scene and it's got to serve the peace in the story so yeah. that's and you've got that whole immersion in it as well where you can kind of just fall in watch and not sit there picturing that as exactly. you said exactly 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 so yeah I, I can understand if it's like celebrities do their fir- first voice acting kind of a thing they kind of make the character look like them but still yeah. you lose that magic I feel yeah I feel like the, it's about the, especially with animation I can understand it well I feel like there's a lot of I mean the, the only actor I really feel like who's really acting acting like transforming is Daniel Day-Lewis mm. I mean there's a bunch of fine actors in Hollywood no, no question about it but Hollywood has become and acting has become such a uh, cult of personality machine or such a uh, uh, you know, I don't know if it started with Jack Nicholson or not because he's amazing still. But you know, where actors are playing themselves as yeah. if they were. If I was Jack Nicholson, who became this character, I'm Jack Nicholson as this guy versus becoming someone. And, yeah. Which is my kind of school of thought, and it's easier for me to embrace that, of course, because I don't have to be on camera, so I have a little bit of advantage. But I, I like it when when actors disappear, and and it, that's what when actors do that, it'll blow my mind. And the first time I saw Daniel Day-Lewis act was um, There Will Be Blood. I hadn't seen him act before, ever. Then I was, like, mind-blown. Like, 
what? Who is this guy? Alrighty, so if there's any question you wish someone could ask you right now, I wish they could moment. ask me. Yeah. Is that your journalistic way of saying I don't have another question for you? <laughs> no, no, this is this this is the nerd culture podcast question. So what's a question that I've always wanted my fans to ask me? You know, I th- there's a lot of things I wish they wouldn't ask me. <laughs> you know, like production questions. When's Aww. this coming out? How much does it cost? What store is it in? Could you get on that and get draw some more Dragon Ball? Let me call the Dragon Ball people and say, hey, would you draw me some more Dragon Ball? Like, people are completely clueless to the fact that I'm just an actor who shows up to work and I have very little to do with the production. I mean, I've done above-the-line production before as an ADR director, but I, yeah. I don't do any of that for Funimation. So exactly. I, I, there are questions I wish they wouldn't ask me. I, I, I think my biggest pet peeve to complain is as much as kids love what I'm doing and what other voice actors do and I don't mind it so much when I'm at conventions because that's what I'm there to do but yeah. when people are like the minute I meet them do the voice do the voice I'm like Aww. dance monkey dance I'm like I'm, what do you think I'm some kind of performing <laughs> sitting there going no yeah. I refuse don't. that's like walking up to a lawyer and go write me some copy write me some boilerplate oh. right now or I'll come to a doctor and go do surgery right now like the second you're a doctor so it's a little I mean I appreciate the enthusiasm but it's a little uh, annoying <laughs> I, can, I can imagine oh. um, how many people have asked you to do the whole Kamehameha every single person every single I've time. met which, which is very flattering but oh. it's, it, for those of you who haven't seen it yet they, they've released video of Battle of the Gods mm-hmm. of us in the booth oh. and so there's, it's been a, like a almost gone viral uh, uh, me and all the other cast uh, in, in our individual booth sessions and now the one they posted was when Goku says in the Battle of Gods, I, uh, I, won't, I will not let you destroy my world. I'm just screaming my head off. So now Chris Sabat, my friend and director and voice of Vegeta, is like, oh, yeah, that's going to be your new phrase you're going to have to say over and over now. He's, 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 he told, I'm like, I am not going to scream. I, you know what, be, it, what I think is really funny is the third camera. So like, if every kid that came up to me, I did Kamehameha. For someone who didn't know anything about it, it looked like I'm just screaming at kids over and over. They were like, dude, that guy's a bit he's, Yeah, he's like, he's mean. He just screams Kamehameha, whatever the hell that means, at all these kids every day. And then they smile. What kind of <laughs> sick situation is this? That's what it means. You know, I love it when they do it. It's just when they ask me, um, I, I, I'm always appreciative. And I like it when they... The problem is, is, you know, when you do a convention, you're talking 10 hours, 15 hours a day. Yeah. You get asked Kamehameha a couple hundred times. Oh. Plus, you're next to other people, like this interview. We're next to another interview. Yeah. If I did it right now, I'd completely fry their interview. So it's, it's not, it's, yeah. it's, it's full on, you know. There's no, it's also tiring. <laughs> you can sit there going, I can't speak now. And usually I have to work on Monday. So oh. if I have to go, you know, I don't have a voice, I call my agent. She's like, why don't you have a voice? I go, well, I was screaming at kids all weekend. <laughs> Doing Kamehameha. And she's like, no. you can't do that. So. It's like, you gotta, you gotta stop, dude. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's the thing. But I, I, and I don't want to get it wrong because you know, I can sound like a little bitch online sometimes. But <laughs> because I, I don't, I don't want to. Actually, I do want to address this before we go. Because mm-hmm. I, I never got to really address this, and you made me think of it. I get asked a lot of times about being a role model, et cetera, et cetera. And, yeah. and there's, a, there's a specific reason. I think there's a certain culture and cult around role modeling that I just think is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, there are many, many artists that you might like or love, um, even ancient uh, composers, classical music composers, who are not nice people. <laughs> and if we just, you know, say, "Well, I'm not going to listen to their music because they did this," or I'm not, now if they use their music and their and their um, 
their art to promote hate. That's one thing. But yeah. if they just in their private life are racist or in their private life, yeah. then all of a sudden they're a crappy painter or whatever. As far as role modeling, the main reason I don't do it is, is somebody, I, like I wrote a few parodies that are kind of R-rated and I think they're very funny. Some guys like, you talk about dirty stuff, you should be a role model. I said, oh, once I'm a role model, then you get to control me because now you're saying, you get to put your morals and what you think life should be like on me. You're basically saying, oh, um, well, you're a role model, so I don't think you should curse or I don't think you should uh, t- tell a dirty joke on your Twitter or I don't think, and I go, now you own me yeah. and nobody's going to own me. So my, my point is, is that whether or not you like me or being a role model, I'm not a role model. I play a character <laughs> who you can role model if you want. Yeah, by all means. By all means, have at it. <laughs> and there are, I think, good things I've done and things I've learned that maybe someone might could learn from. Mm. That's a southern thing, Matt could. Because um, there were people I knew growing up who I learned things from, and there are definitely things I figured out that could be helpful to kids. But by putting me on a pedestal and saying I'm your role model means that you get to control me later, and I have control issues, so that's not happening. So that's, that's one thing I wanted to address. Um, so, yeah, you know, I guess what I'm saying is be nice to your role models if you have them because they're people too and they can be flawed. And it really frustrates me when somebody in Hollywood screws up and says some word and the next thing you know they're out of a career. And I'm like, really? Come on. That's extreme. It's extreme. It's like they, the, the, the real path is, is to rehabilitate them and help them learn and maybe not be racist or not send dogs into the pit like Michael Vick did and learn and grow from that. That's the thing instead of just this constant desire of projection and schadenfreude and, and desire to bring down the mighty because you have jealousy issues or whatever exactly and even at my level which is a very low level I've experienced that trust me I'm like a Z-list actor but (laughs) no no pun intended with Dragon Ball Z but um but you know so there's there's a philosophical aspect to it um that that I think about a lot and you know I don't really have any intention of when I catch myself thinking oh what would the kids think if I said that I'm like no I can't worry about that (laughs) I can't worry about that I have to just be who I am and take me or leave me you know exactly so that's my rant. Hey. <laughs> but I do. I am. I, I can tell you what. It, there's nothing uh, more gratifying than doing something that you love, and then have someone, and, or in this case, thousands or perhaps even millions of people, send you f- email or meet you, and they just light up like it's yeah. Christmas. Uh, it's. I mean, you you, can, you literally lay in bed and tell yourself, "Yeah, I can die now. I, I I'm like, good. I'm good. I did good. All right. I'm I'm happy." Some yeah. kids lighten up, you know, because of me. Yeah. And, and, and to me, it's just paying it forward because there's so many artists that lit me up. You know, I'm a huge Rush fan. I'm a huge Yes fan. I, I'm a huge Robin Williams fan. You know, uh, uh, there's so many guys that lit me up. Some of whom I got to tell. Like, I've met, <laughs> I've met a few of my heroes from doing these conventions and got to say, you know, I learned this from you, you know. So it was really that exciting. That would just be beaming to be able to do that. It's, it's, really, it's really thrilling to meet one of your childhood heroes and say, I voice act because of you, you know. I never got to meet Mel Blanc, but when I did the gig with Frank Welker, I was like, oh, my God. I'm, yeah. I cried in the session. Aww. I did. Oh, I cried. I, I cried before the session when I met him. I cried driving home. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. I just worked with a legend, and I cannot believe it. Thank you. Thank you very much to both Sarah and Sean for talking to Silhouette, and thank you to Silhouette for doing that for us. It was really, really cool. She's Round of applause. She's got a cool interview style, um, and uh, thank you again uh, to Armageddon Expo for uh, allowing, letting it happen. You know, it was pretty cool. It was a cool expo. It's a, I'm disappointed I missed it next year. Can't be everywhere all at once. Yeah, that's true. I'm only I'm only one man. Uh, so let's finish up with coming soon. In Australian cinemas, November sixth, we get Interstellar. 
which is Nolan's next movie. Um, I am not interested in the slightest. I'm cautiously optimistic that it could be a good film. Yeah, I think you'd like it. It's like very sciencey. Like I actually had like a science. Yeah, something of the science right. Yeah, it's annoying when they try to be very sciencey and then they have glaring mistakes. Yeah, but they actually they actually had like a, a scientist on set who did, who worked out like sort of like how this could possibly really work and stuff. And uh, what I think is actually one cool thing about it is their portrayal of a black hole is now going to be used as, like, a teaching thing, like a teaching aid. It's like it's probably cool. the closest they've ever come. So That's cool. That's also yeah. the next uh, next venture in uh, reconnaissance. Yeah. Matthew McConaughey, always awesome. Uh, but other than that, um, I don't know. Uh, we also get uh, a film He's called... He's going to have to see it if I have to see all those upcoming hero movies. Oh, we'll still go see it. <laughs> uh, we also get a film called Love, uh, Rosie, uh, My Mistress, uh, Rise, uh, which is an Australian film, uh, t- and Two Days, One Night. An interesting uh, series, uh, group of movies coming out, so do you like the cinemas, so check them out. So that's it for episode 115. It's been, it's been a lot of fun, especially being here with my lovely wife. Yay. Yay! Yay! All right, so that's it for me, and uh, that's it from the crew, who just happens just to be Crystal. <laughs> Who's going to blow the bloody doors off? That's my best Michael Gay. Is that your best Michael Gay? That's my only Michael Gay. <laughs> Bye! Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to Nerd Culture Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to feedback at nerdculturepodcast.com. You can run on our wall if you go to the Facebook page. Go to facebook.com forward slash nerdculturepodcast. Tweet us at nerdculturecast. Skype us on nerdculturepodcast. If we don't answer, leave a message. We might even play it on the show. You can comment on any post on our website. www.nerdculturepodcast.com If you'd like to support the show, use the Amazon affiliate widget on our website to do your Amazon shopping. It doesn't cost you any extra, and a small percentage of the profit goes towards helping us to produce our show. We can see what you buy, but not who you are, so your privacy is assured. Check out our videos at ncptv.net or search for NCPTV on YouTube because we also have a YouTube channel. Don't forget, you can rate, review and subscribe to the show on iTunes. Wondering where you can hear more of Bo? Go to ecnradio.com. Bo and David also have another podcast called Film Flames. More info at www.filmflames.com. You can find all of our podcasts and more at undercastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more episodes.